1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the week. Bum, bum, bum. We're doing what we got to do. We're taking care of ourselves, right? We are focusing on self-care every single day. Every single day. You need to know ahead of time or during the day checking in on yourself. What have I done today? That's self-care. What have I done today that's rooted in just joy and pleasure? You know, taking a moment to myself, um, cutting out early, turning my phone off, eating that snack, going and reading a little bit of that book I wanted to check out, you know, maybe going to bed early, whatever it is, and uh, just finding little moments of rest throughout the day. We're getting through this together. we got a great show planned for you. We're going to be... Uh Diving into how to come out at any age to those around you, yes, why? Because the stats are showing us more and more people are coming out as bi, queer, trans, non binary. It's quite phenomenal. The numbers are raising and raising and raising because it's safer, there's more resources, and because of the explosion of identity labels, more people are identifying as their true selves, where before we were so limited. We had such few options, right? Man, woman, gay, straight. People were like, all right, well, I guess I have to find my my place within these two options. Now we have a multitude of options, and so that complexity is helping more people identify. Having a lot of conversations with people in my office and even in my personal life about this, and they're saying, you know, had they maybe heard some of these concepts at an earlier age, this might have been something they've stepped into. Some people later in life still do, others say, huh, you know, that might've been where I'd be, but I've kind of found my place within my um, cis identity or my hetero flexibility, but they might say I'm in a hetero relationship and that's where I remain, you know, monogamy forever, Um, which is fine. But there's other people that are saying now that I'm aware of these, you know, other parts of the constellation of identification, they're saying, well, yeah, maybe I'm more flexible than I thought, or maybe I'm just curious, or maybe gender is something that really isn't, truly honest with who I am and non-binary, it just feels more liberating and more free. So again, at any age, step into the truth that is uh, you know your, your gender or sexual orientation or relational style. Again, we're talking more and more about relational orientation. Um, not everyone necessarily is interested in romanticism, right? They might be aromantic, but those that are, they might want monogamy or open or poly. There's there's so many options, opportunities, and you know ways to kind of explore. So more and more people stepping into that. So we're gonna talk about how do you come out <clears throat> at any age to the individuals in your life? Because that's a question that comes up. And again, as always, these topics are applicable outside of their specific entry point. We're going to talk about maybe sexual orientation, but this still applies to gender, relational orientation. I work with couples that say, how do I come out to friends or family members about being poly or open? How do I come out about my gender? Um, so this kind of is going to cover all of that. So we're going to be digging deep into that. Um, you know, Again, where do you even begin? <laughs> so we're going to start with you know, what we have to do on the front end before we even step into such a conversation. Because remember, we're being mental health centered. So the mental health impact matters, which means your comfort, your safety, your confidence. So start there. First off, you don't have to come out at all or to anyone. I wanna always drive that home. There's a lot of these campaigns, which I'm thankful for, that say things like, it gets better. But that's not honest. It doesn't get better. It does for some people sometimes in some contexts. It's not guaranteed that it will get better because you come out. And some people are injured by that. Well, I've been honest. I've been authentic. Why isn't the world better? Why am I not accepted? Because nothing's promised. And so you have to really start by checking in on your reasoning for coming out. What is the purpose? Is it for your own mental health to no longer carry the shame of culture and someone else that the world we live in doesn't appreciate or support or celebrate certain things, and, and, that, and you will no longer stay silent about who you are so as to accommodate that, that's meaningful. Because the lying and the denial is not good for your mental health, that's meaningful. Because the people you wanna come out to are important to you and you wanna give them the gift of more honesty and deeper intimacy, that's meaningful right? We don't know how it will land. We don't know where it will go. It does not promise to enhance your confidence or make the relationship better. For some, it makes their lives more complicated. We need to call that out. I'm all about living in reality. I don't know that it gets better. And coming out is not the right thing for everyone. Some people live in environments or with people where it's not safe, where violence might be inflicted upon them, where they might lose their housing. Basic needs are no longer met. They might lose employment. So we do want to be thoughtful and and, and honor that. Not everyone is independently wealthy, Not everyone has supportive social networks. Um, Not everyone lives in a city or a local area that has resources and community. So we're all in a different place with this. Also, your other mental health issues matter. Some people maybe have fragility around their early sobriety, and they can't take the risk of the difficulty or complexity with coming out around relational structure, orientation, or gender right? We don't know. So I just want to call that on the front end. Safety matters. So does mental health. And we have to always ask questions. How will this impact my mental health, right? Because again, it's not just as easy as coming out and we're working on removing the closet, which is only in place, right? by normative culture, that closet only exists because we assume everyone is straight and cisgendered until, until told otherwise, and we're trying to dismantle that and acknowledge that we never know, and that's why I love all these people coming forward. It's surprising everyone. All these famous people coming out as gay or non-binary, that surprise is what's gonna weaken the closet. People saying, wow, who knew, or you never know, or I was wrong, yes. We want to maintain that openness and that curiosity because you never know what you might be assuming or what you've been told might not be true. All right. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to keep diving into the coming out process around whatever it is we're talking about. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: All right, we're back and we're talking about the process of coming out and discussing that it's going to differ. You know who you come out to and other elements of your life are gonna impact what this process feels like. But again, comfort and safety matter most. Mental health matters most. So we wanna be thinking in those terms. We don't wanna do things just to do them. And I see some people do that with all sorts of disclosures. We just want, we have anxiety. We just wanna be told we're okay. We just wanna get it off our chest. We just wanna get it out there. But they don't think beyond that. What impact will this have on me or this person, right? Um, That matters. We don't just wanna anxiously disclose. I talk about that even with dating. Or I say to someone on a first date, you don't just disclose everything anxiously, bearing all your dirty laundry, as they say, because you don't know the mental health of the person on the receiving end. You don't know that they're prepared to hear that. You don't know what kind of relationship they have to these things, right? And people have to earn their right to our expression of truth. People have to earn our trust before we disclose. I always uh, talk about um, a couple circles. And I say the outer circle is the more casual information that we can comfortably disclosed to anyone and then there's an inner circle and that has information that's a little more private and a little more personal and then there's an even deeper inner circle and people have to earn their right in earn their way into each level we have to know we can trust them. And that's why I say to people on a first date, you just tell people very general things, your favorite colors, what you like to do on the weekends, and you just see what it's like to be with this person. And as we earn their trust and they earn our trust, we disclose maybe more triggering, more personal, more complex things. Coming out is the same thing. Who is this person in front of you? What kind of relationship do you have? How mature are they? How healthy are they? What are they like around difficult or problematic information? Bigger than that, I always say, how close are you already? If you don't have closeness or intimacy, you might wanna work on building that first before you, out of the blue, show up very intimately and disclose this information with someone in your life you've never had a very close personal relationship with. That could be very overwhelming or very threatening. You drop it and you go. We don't wanna do that, right? We wanna do it in service of, I wanna be known or closer to this person, right? Or whatever the reasoning is. And with that goal in mind, what's the best way to approach this so as to achieve that? Right? I mean, the main goal is because there's no there's nothing wrong with being trans or gay or whatever it is we're talking about. So that's the number one reason why we want to disclose this because we don't want to carry the cultural shame or the shame that our family of origin has placed upon us around these pieces. We're handing it back. Right? Essentially, you're saying, I'm gay or I'm trans, and whatever you think or feel about that, I'm gonna leave you with. I'm gonna let you struggle with your thoughts and feelings around that. I, the discloser, should not have to feel bad about these things, and so I will confidently share them. Again, open to processing, but finally leaving you with that information and hoping that you'll see me as a full, and total human being. Right. So we wanna think in these terms. Um, <clears throat> so make sure you consider the following. How accepting is this person? How familiar are they with diversity and creative ways of being? Can you trust them to not share that information? Because that's a boundary issue too. Is this the kind of person that's boundaryless and they disclose other people's information? Or is this someone who you know doesn't do that? And you might wanna make that request. Hey, I'm sharing something with you that I'm hoping you won't share with others because it's my information to share. And that's in there. Is this person boundaryed? What would they do with this information? Might they hurt you? is it safe, right? Thinking ahead of time, how will you handle it if they're uncomfortable or rejecting? Are there people you can turn to afterwards to get support around what might happen? We have to be thinking in these terms, right? If you think you're ready, then I would say you start with someone that you feel safe and close with. It's practice. Disclosing that you're poly, disclosing that you're divorcing, disclosing that you're non-binary, disclosing that you're gay, disclosing that you're doing some sexual exploration, whatever it is, again, that we're talking about. We even talk sometimes within relationships about coming out as kinky, you know? So that's always the first question. Who's someone you can feel safe with that you can practice? Choosing someone who you think is gonna be the most accepting and supportive. We need to build that in. That, that helps us with that confidence, right? Then we have to think, figure out what's the best way to do this. I'm a big fan of people doing it with as much humanity as possible and that means a letter an email or a text is the most dehumanized way because they're not seeing or hearing or feeling another person which we want because we want it to be humanized and so i always say if you can't do it face to face because of distance or safety maybe phone call or facetime so you can see you can hear it humanizes but to send it off as a letter an email or a text it's really leaving them with this thud, it's cold. And I appreciate that that's the only way some people can do it, and by all means, do it however you need to do it. I tell people that even with breaking up. If you need to leave a relationship and the only way you think you'll follow through is via a text or a note, well then, my God, that's the way we're gonna do it. It might not be the most ideal, but it needs to get done. And if all things considered, that's what we're left with, well then that's how it happens, right? So think about that though. What kind of relationship do you have with them? What kind of relationship do you want to have? If because coming out is not a one-off. We once someone comes out, you have to stay out. If you're going to let someone know you're gay or trans, after doing so, you want to keep talking about it. You got to keep the ball in the air because to go silent again is to not build in comfort or confidence. And to go silent again is to actually often go back into the closet, which is the opposite of what you did. So you have to be willing to keep it alive, to keep the ball in the air, to keep people engaged, to keep talking about it. That's how female yet. That's how familiarity is breeded. Uh, that's how you breed familiarity with consistency, right? Transparency. Um, but think about the time and the location. The other piece I always bring up to people is not just how safe is this person, not, and I also say, what kind of relationship do you have with them? If you don't have a close relationship, maybe work on building that first, so it's not just again, you know, out of nowhere. But also, you have to assess what's going on in their life, because how we impact other people always matters. We don't just do things to do them if we can help it. And if we realize they're going through a tough time, they've lost someone, they're unemployed, whatever it might be, that might not be the best time to add this complexity, to add something more for them to take on. If we think that's how they might perceive it. So we do have to take into account what is the mental health status or what's the context of this person's life, right? We're going to take a little break. Um, when we come back gonna keep talking about uh, the best ways to approach a coming out process for some people, not, not, you know, it's a little bit of a moot point, but I think this is applicable to any kind of possibly complex triggering or difficult information. So uh, stick around and join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking, uh, we're finishing up our discussion of the coming out process around whatever it is, excuse me, you might be coming out about. So we're assessing the safety, we're assessing our motivation, right? We're taking into account the kind of relationship we have with this person. If it's, Not that close and familiar. Maybe we want to build that in first. And then we're also taking into account what's going on in their life. What is their mental health? Are they in a place to really receive and hear this? Because we don't just want to anxiously disclose because we need to be accepted or know that all is well to get it off our chest. Healthy, emotionally intelligent people assess all these different pieces, right? Then, be prepared to answer questions. Remember, this person, this might be new information to them. You've had time to do research, to sit with it, to process it, to share it, whatever it is. This is brand new. Bam. It's right in front of them. You are seeing in real time them trying to catch up or to make sense of it because you might be telling them something that they have no idea about that might reorient their entire sense of who you are. And you're going to be seeing that all going on right in front of you possibly. So hold space for that, that the initial landing point is not always the final landing point. People might be great in the beginning, and then they sit with it longer and it becomes more difficult, or the opposite. It's very funky and difficult for them in the beginning, and they need a little bit more time to familiarize, to normalize, to process, and to share. So it's a journey, right? So the first answer is not the final answer, fortunately or unfortunately. So prepare yourself for that. Prepare yourself for a lot of questions. How do you know? Are you sure? You know what I mean? Like questions that is about them really getting the confidence that what you're telling them is true and accurate. You know? Um, so so practice that, don't be surprised about that. Um, and then like I said, give them, be prepared to give them time and space to sit with that. But that doesn't mean we have to retreat and disappear if we're close and very present in their life, continue to be. Sometimes leaning out and giving them space allows things to fester or shame to assert itself. So if this is someone you talk to every day, keep reaching out to them. And like I said, keep that ball in the air. You don't need to keep flooding them with the information, but if you just came out as gay, it's okay if you know within the next conversation or a few after to reference someone you're dating or whatever it is, but we don't wanna come out and then go back in, right? I know that that's difficult. Um, also be prepared to be able to share resources with them. Some people, this is, uh, you know, like a bomb dropped on their lap and they're like, what do I do with this? And they might not themselves have community or social supports to turn to, or they might have really negative toxic ones. So be prepared to give them some links, some meetups, some groups, some social media, something to read saying, Hey, this might help you on your journey or Hey, I'm here to answer any and, and any ongoing questions, Right. Um, but don't take it personally because they have to go through their process, right? And remember, if you feel threatened or unsafe, have a backup plan in place. If you're cohabitating with this someone, with this person, or you live with them, or you are financially dependent, unfortunate, we live in a very homophobic, transphobic all sorts of phobic world. And you might want to have a plan B. Is there somewhere you can go long-term or temporarily? Because I've seen some really worst case scenarios. And again, we're living in reality where people thought it was going to go well. People thought they were going to feel safe. And that kind of got loosened or or, or shook up a little bit. But have your supports ready. Let your community, your team, let them know. Like if you're going to do it tomorrow night, let your your friends or whoever you have in your corner know, I'm going to be hitting you all up afterwards or I'm going to be coming over or whatever it is. Lean on them, reach out to them. But remember, you're doing this as an act of mental health for you and you're gifting them with deeper intimacy and knowledge about who you are because you care about them. But do it on your terms and know that it's not a one-off. It's an ongoing process. We don't come out once and only once. We have to keep staying in that new identity to make it familiar, to make it accessible. We don't want to backtrack. As we work on dismantling the closet, that even requires coming out of. I want us to live in a world where we don't assume anything. And so everyone's a question mark until we're told. Everyone should have to come out. Everyone should have to share who they truly are. We're trying to move away from this assumption that everyone's monogamous, or everyone's cisgendered, or everyone's hetero until told otherwise. It's just not honest or true, but that maintains this. So. It's why I keep talking about language a lot. Instead of saying to someone who presents as one gender, oh, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Say things like, do you have a partner? Which communicates to them, I'm holding space for the idea that maybe it's of a gender I'm not expecting. Right When we don't use words that assume, that is a way we can create that space for that person to comfortably step into who they are. If we see someone who's male presenting and we say, do you have a girlfriend or wife, that forces them to have to come out and say, well no, actually I'm gay, or actually you're misgendering me. But instead if we say something like, are you dating someone, do you have a partner? That allows them to just fully and truly be themselves without any assumptions, thereby starting to remove that closet. The closet is those assumptions. The closet is those expectations. If parents would raise their kids, acknowledging I don't know what your sexual orientation is, I don't know what gender you're gonna feel most comfortable with. And 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 always holding space, saying, Yes, yeah, some boys date girls, some boys date boys. You know what I mean? And letting them have familiarity with this, that's how we start to like undo this. We have to start young. We also have to start where we are. Um, all right, enough about that. We're gonna take a little break. We're going to be uh, gliding into those DMs when we come back. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page, whatever you're wondering about. We want to hear from you. Topics, questions, and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face. Click on it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, what would you say is the age limit for dating? For example, my friends and I were talking about the five-year rule. So if you're 30, you can date someone as young as 25 and as old as 35. Is there a specific age limit you should try to stay in? Thank you. Uh, No, you should date what you are compatible with and what you have chemistry with. Of course, I hate that I even have to say this, but y'all love sending emails about small infractions. Um, Of course, within the age of whatever, um, every actually, every state and every country has a different role for um, age of consent. I don't know if everyone knew that. So, some places in the US are 16, others are 17, other ones are 18. But as long as you're of age, it really becomes about chemistry and compatibility. Um, Remember, chronology, the length of time you've been on the planet, sadly, doesn't promise anything. I work with some people that are, you know, well into their 50s and 60s and maybe don't have as much emotional intelligence or maturity as someone in their 20s or 30s. Uh, We really want to deal with the person that is before us. And when we're talking about love and relationship, it's about truth and chemistry and compatibility. And that shows up at different age brackets. I've dated people that were far older. I've dated people that were far younger. Um, it's different. Uh, yes, people can only be as mature as, as possible for the length of time they've been here. But again, when we talk about people's early family of origin traumas, right, and all the other factors that makes you know make someone up uh, into the person that they are, that's going to be rooted in so many different factors. And age is such a flimsy, fragile way of trying to determine who someone is and if they're the right partner for you. Think about that. People make socioeconomic and and employment and career changes at different places in their lives, stepping in later in life, stepping in early in life, making changes. Uh, People come in and out of relationships. I mean, really what means more to me is how relationally and mentally healthy are they? And for someone that's maybe never been in a relationship, maybe they thrive far better because they don't have a lot of baggage and a lot of trauma or the inverse uh, where someone does far worse. Other people that have been in a multitude of relationships and have done the work and they've looked at who they were and who they want to be again and they sometimes are far better. So that number five years is completely made up, it's completely arbitrary. I want people to be with the people that make them happy. And that might be 20 or 30 years of an age difference, it doesn't matter. And these are false constructions. Culture loves setting up these arbitrary boundaries and rules, none of them are real. (laughs) You know, about rebounds and how long you should wait before you date again and how long it takes to get over someone and age of compatibility. That, that's just a starting point. So I want people to be with the people they wanna be with. And so when I'm working with clients on them trying to step into the dating world or hookup culture and they're using the apps, I tell them to make that age determinant because the apps allow you to choose the age bracket right, of the people that you wanna connect with. I tell them to make it as wide as possible. You don't know what compatibility might look like for you. And we try to use these odd determinants of height and weight and career choice and age. But again, those are really flimsy and fragile and don't necessarily tell us exactly who this person is or what it'll be like for us to be in a relationship with them. So people that truly want to find love um, and those that might be struggling with dating, it might be because of you know ideas like this. So no, date whoever you want to date. You know, Again, as long as they're healthy, you're healthy and uh, step outside of that. A lot of that's actually ego. A lot of that's actually what we call um you know, an invisible audience where you think that people, what will people say? They will say nothing, no one actually cares. You know what I mean? As you're moving through the world, some people might notice you with this partner of yours that's of a very distinct age from yours or not. And either way, who cares? You know what I mean? So focus on yourself. That's really what mental health is about, truth and authenticity, not following rules. In fact, mental health actually often means pushing back on the rules. Our culture is classist and racist and ageist and consumerist and all these different things that we absorb. And I just think they really prevent us from finding the love we're looking for. So please ignore all those things. You you will be far better served to just go with chemistry and compatibility and compassion. I'll say that over and over. You know what I mean? I want people to date from an authentic place. Um, all right, that is that. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Oh, coming up next, we're gonna be answering some questions and getting into uh, some stuff about breakups, yep. Lots of breakups happening still. Uh, stick around though. We'll be back and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they are. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back.
3: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide.
2: All right. We are back. Interesting article I was looking at. I wanted to share this with y'all. I thought this was kind of profound. Uh, basically, it was born out of um, a man, someone who's male identified, uh, writing an article about planning his younger daughter's birthday party. And he wanted to do it all by himself because he realized, hey, women in hetero relationships the femme partner in other relationships often that are non-hetero, traditionally take on more of the mental labor, right? So he's like, let me start to try to create more of a balance. And I like that that starting point. Uh, The specific details uh, for couples that have children of the children's lives is often left to the female, right? Also, same thing with the housework. Uh, The male individual, the butch person, the masculine, will often be the one that's assumed to be going out to the office female or femme persons at home Uh, but that creates an imbalance but not just in mental labor or workload but also in the male identified person's relationship or intimacy to the child right and so the larger point of this article was he said wow i didn't realize how little i know which speaks to how little participation i have in my child's life and through planning this birthday party i realized i don't know who my child's friends are I don't know what their likes are. And that was a sign of how unavailable I've been, how absent I am, how present I'm not, and how superficial my relationship might be to my child. So he put together 30 questions that the average American mother will most likely immediately know that the male probably won't. And I don't want to shame anyone by throwing some of these questions out there. I want it to be a silent exploration of, do I know these answers? And if not, why? Is it because I prioritize work? And... There it is. I, I think work means more than time with my family or people I care about, and I don't know much about the, my child's lives, and okay, because I know what it's like to be a child of someone who isn't off and around. It stinks, and it was really profound for me later in my life. Again, it's later in my life, but still great that it happened when my father actually started to try to be more present and show up. He missed out on half of my life, got to be there for, you know, some of it. So use this as a way to say, wait a minute, I I might not be that present or or aware of my child in their life if I don't have answers to these questions. So I thought this was really meaningful. Let's go this way. What is the name of one of your child's friends? Can you name a friend of any of your children? Start there. And if you can't even do that, then say with all the love of my heart, you got a big issue. You got a lot to work on. If you can't even name one of the best friends of one of your children, but even go the other route. If you're if you're childless and you're in a relationship, can you name your partner's best friend? Have you met them? Can you name them? Because again, that might mean you are not that present in your partner's life. We're going to push further. There's more. Um, so consider that. Also consider what uh, what are the names of your of that child's parents? Okay, so that's meaningful. Pushing forward. Do you know where this friend lives? Uh, do you know the name of any of your children's doctors? Do you have any sense where the doctors are located, or when your child's next doctor appointment or wellness check is? Apply that to people without children. Do you know your Do you know anything about your partner's health history? If they have a doctor, when they see a doctor, where the doctor's located, the doctor's names, what maybe they go to see the doctor about? How How much of our participant are you? A Couple more. Um, I'm going to skip some of them. <laughs> Wow, that one, that one I hope everyone knows the answer to. What are, what are the extracurricular activities that your child likes to participate in? Do you know what they are? Have you been? Have you seen them? Same thing with your partner. Do you know what they do as a hobby, right? A couple more. Um, let me see some good ones that I think. Is your child allergic to anything? I think that's a good one. Ah, here's a powerful one. And again, ask this of yourself if you're children, of your partner or other meaningful people in your life. What's your child's current shoe size and clothing size? Do you know? And if not, why? You might say, because I don't have to get their clothing. Why not? Um, oh, I like some of these. Um, bum, 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 bum. First day of school, drop off, pick up. So the point being, these are profound center points. And if you don't have the answer to these questions or other important facts, like of things that are preferences or important dates or people in the lives of people we care about, then we might not be as intimate or as close or as connected as we like to think we are. Make it a challenge, not something that we collapse into shame around and say I need to be more present because I've never been to my kid's soccer game or I don't know what my who my kid's friends are or I've heard the names but I don't even know who their parents are. I don't know my child's suit, shoe size or clothing size. Do you know your partner's shoe size or clothing size? No, do, the, do you know where they like to shop? I had something very profound said to me in a, in a therapy session, a client was saying about his wife who he was leaving. He said, the other day, when we were talking about the divorce, she was at the supermarket and said to me, I'd love to bring something home for you for dinner to be nice. What would you like me to bring? And he said, you don't even know what my favorite meal is. And she said, you're right, I don't. And they had been married for 10 years. Didn't even know her husband's favorite meal because she works so much and she's never present. Sit with that. All right, we're gonna be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. Later in the show, we'll be gliding into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around, we'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about breakup mistakes that actually make things worse. So interesting how people try to move through the world and excuse me, we're going through a breakup things we think, the things we tell ourselves, the narratives we buy into are definitely going to impact our ability to get over it, but also like what we're stepping into next. So one of the most detrimental beliefs you can have if you're getting out of a relationship because you're breaking up with someone or being broken up with is the idea that you won't ever meet anyone better. You know, as we evolve and go through our life, who we are, what might be necessary, or compatible ebbs and flows, it can change. And so we never know who we're going to be and who we're going to be most compatible with, right? But- The idea that the person who we're leaving or being left by is the end of our story is problematic because it's important that we hold curiosity, right? And dating is often a numbers game. And so we want to move forward with some motivation, some anticipation, some curiosity about what we get to step in and what we get to participate in next. Stay, stay, stay open. Don't, don't make decisions about how the future will be on based on the past, right? Because we're always evolving and pushing forward. Um, also, this whole idea that we we need closure to move on or to move forward is quite faulty, and there's a multitude of reasons why. One of the main reasons being is it can keep people stuck. They think that they need to better understand our process in order to move forward, but most of the time, Most people will never give you a a post-breakup debriefing and really clearly and honestly hold your hand through why they were no longer interested. And on a lot of levels, it doesn't matter. We don't need to necessarily know why that person didn't want us or why we couldn't work relationally with that person. That doesn't inherently help us figure out how to be better in the next relationship. What? does is if we can sit and do an honest investigation as to who we saw ourselves being and say, what parts of myself am I proud of that I want to bring forward to someone else? Or what parts of myself do I not feel great about that I want to change? But after a breakup, to ask the person who we left or left us to hold our hand through some debriefing or closure isn't necessarily going to be something you're out of access to. And I don't even know that I necessarily trust that. You know, Once a relationship is over, take this as a, as a good thing, you don't need anything from that person to move on, right? And efforts to try to demand or get an explanation um, is gonna usually create more complexity and drama. And sometimes it's used as a way to defend against letting go and moving on. And we make it about closure, but it's really that we wanna just stay close, we wanna stay connected, and we'll take you being in our life, even if it's just for five minutes longer, right? Instead of obsessing over that, you really have to work on letting go and, and not knowing. Right? And instead refocusing back on ourselves. What are things that I had walked away from or let let drifted, person, places, and things? What are the things that I need to reconnect with or recenter, because there's a lot of that. Often we lose ourselves or we lose important people, places, and things as a result of, go back to that. That was one of the most powerful things I did after my engagement, I was in an engagement. Old time listeners remember this from when I was doing Love Line as a podcast with Amber. But those that are new, I was engaged and the relationship ended. And what I did right away was what I counsel my clients to do is I I, I fully leaned back into participating in the world. And I said, what are all the things I wanted to do that I haven't been doing? And I got right back out there and got back into my hobbies and some training programs. And I wasn't running from everything, I was just fully stepping back into my life and I fully started dating right away. The length of time between relationships doesn't dictate the success or health of the next relationship. This whole idea of rebounds isn't necessarily real. Some people go right into new relationships and and flourish. The studies show that for people's confidence and sense of desirability to keep dating, enhances all of that. You're reminded that there's other options. You're reminded that you're desirable or viable. And so for a lot of people, it's really good and important for them to get back out there to practice being vulnerable again and and courting people. But what we also wanna be thoughtful about is not trying too soon to still be friends or to stay connected. Because you have to ask yourself, can I truly show up as a friend or can they truly show up as a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? It often means talking about new people you're dating, new people you're seeing, right? If you can't fully be friends or they can't fully be friends, well then don't don't misrepresent by saying we're going to be friends but then actually expecting, right? Or expecting or implementing, withholding, lying, denying, because that isn't a friendship. We don't want to keep an ex in our life, but then have to lie and withhold information about who we are now, what we're doing, and who we're with, thinking that that's us working on a friendship because it's not. And that's why a lot of people need a break. They need to move on to something else or they need time to let the feelings dissipate and the pain. And then they can, in a more neutral way, say, I'm totally a friend now. Share with me everything. I knew me and my fiance were able to be friends when we were able to go to dinner and talk about the new people we're dating and we were able to be loving and supportive of each other. Because I know a lot of y'all don't like to hear this, but it's a good sign when you're friends with exes. It means you honor a relationship just because sex and romance wasn't on the table anymore, you transitioned into a new phase, right? We don't break up, we transition ideally, and we don't burn things down. And so it's a good sign if you're friends with an ex. It's a good sign if someone you wanna date as friends with their exes. That means they'll be respectful and loving to you. They know how to leave. Love lovingly. They don't burn things down. That's important. So remember that. So we have to let some of the pain dissipate, right? And so for some people, that's not immediate, but we can hold space for that. But that goes back to the bigger piece, which is you have to leave lovingly. Don't burn things down. Don't attack, right? Don't character assassinate. Don't gossip. Go inward, be with the pain, just be in pain, be sad, be mad, be disappointed, but we don't want to weaponize it and target it at that other partner. That's not good. Um, also, we want to stay connected to some of the, the bad times. That's very helpful in a breakup, to really be honest about what worked and what didn't. Some people really want to memorialize and only romanticize the good. Um, and what happens is that's not only not honest, but that doesn't help us move away from it. Um, we're going to take a little break. We'll put a pin in this. We'll come back and keep processing this. Um, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to finish this. And then we'll be gliding into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. So stick around for that. But if you got a question for us, uh, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline NG page. We'd love to hear from you. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. all right, we're back and we're talking about things not to do when you're trying to exit a relationship, friendship, romance, whatever it is. Kind of you know, going through some of these, we've covered this topic a little bit. Uh, we're talking about how you want to make sure you're not telling yourself, this is it. there's nothing more, which is why for a lot of people, it's really important to get right back out there and start dating again to be reminded, oh, there's a whole wide world out there. Oh yeah, there's other people. Oh yes, I'm desirable, yes I'm de- I'm dateable. So remember that. Um, so we're not we're not accepting like that that was it. Also we're not running after this mythic concept of closure, right? We're letting go. We don't get to necessarily know. And we don't wanna hold on with this lie of I just need to understand I need closure. No, you don't usually get that. And we don't actually need that, right? We need to assess ourselves. Who were we? Who do we wanna be? Who do we not wanna be? And then we wanna hold space for friendship though. That's a really beautiful thing, but not too soon. You wanna make sure that you're able to fully show up as a friend. And if that doesn't feel like something you're ready for, well, then you're not ready. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to say, "Let's, let's check in down the road, right? But also... Don't just focus on the positive, because that's usually what happens. We long for what was. We wanna remind ourselves why it didn't work out. It's very, very important to not memorialize someone like that. You wanna go through, here's why it wasn't ideal. Here's what I didn't enjoy. Here's where maybe we weren't compatible. You wanna have a well-rounded understanding of what happened, you know? Um, because when we're healing, our mind's going to go to different places and we want to, we don't want to idealize. We want to remember wholeheartedly who this person is. So instead of reminiscing about the good, you feel like you lost, spend some time with journaling and writing down some of the painful things. Sometimes we need to have access to that as an anchor when we're really missing them to go back and read. Here's why it wasn't ideal or why it wasn't working. And that can really help push us through. You know, So the point isn't to stay angry, but to remember the full truth of why this is probably better for both of us. Um, and the biggest one, and I say this over and over and over, is creeping on them on social media. That doesn't let you psychologically or emotionally move on. Um, so block them, ask them to block you, delete it off your phone, or just get better with impulse control and boundaries. I was never one of those people who creeped after I moved on from a relationship. I worked on the possibility of a friendship. I kept them in my life. I never really struggled with that. So it's a foreign thing to me personally. I, I I don't enjoy knowing what's going on in the lives of people who aren't in my life. I honor that boundary for myself, but this is something that's common for a lot of people. They really struggle with that. So I know you feel like you want to keep tabs, but it's probably going to lead to more pain, right? Um, So try deleting them, try blocking them. You got to go through that, that, you know, withdrawal is not the best word for it, but let's go with it. You got to kind of go through the withdrawal. You got to deal with the loneliness. You have to allow the mourning process and try to find ways to stay connected by creeping, by constantly talking about them. It doesn't allow us to complete the process and fully move on, but we need to, you know? And so remember that. We're trying to complete a process. We're letting it go all the way to resolution, and that means being willing to be alone and on our own. It has to. It, it's about being willing to feel the pain. Mourning isn't a problem. To mourning and sadness are not problems to fix. They're experiences we have to get familiar with. Those are experiences we have to allow. So, if you're feeling sad or mourning the loss of someone, it's not a problem. It's, it's something we have to be willing to sit in and sit with. So it's about allowing, it's about accepting while also participating fully in our lives. We don't have to completely only swim in that, right? It's tough stuff, you know, but we, we learn how we go through relation uh, how we go through romantic, uh, romantic breakups really is about the same skill set we need for other relationships. Because I was talking about this on a show, I think, like last week, how to break up with a friend, right? Because now we're moving into a new world where through politics and ethics, we're learning more about some people around us. And people are getting better with boundaries. People are getting better identifying toxic elements in relationships, whether it's friend or otherwise, family members, people we're socializing with. So these are the kinds of things we need to be able to do. But remember to keep your mental health intact. Move through this with grace. Be your best. I always have clients write down a few bullet points of intentions or mantras that that really help guide them as to how they want to move through this process, who they want to be. And when they're having difficulties, they come back to those elements, right? That say whatever those mantras or those boundaries needed to be. When in doubt, they bring come back to those anchors. When your better, higher self, is able to be accessible, you write those things out and you say, I want to remember these things. I I tell people to do that after any powerful therapy session, write down whatever it is we talked about that you want to come back to or that you want to build in. They're called anchors. And as time goes on, they get watered down or we drift. It's good to have access. I've told you guys before, I put sticky notes around it, post-its in some places in my home. So I'm reminded of certain things and I'm constantly changing them and updating them. But I, I like to be surrounded by the reminders of who I want to be because left on our own, we go back to old behavior, you know? And we have to remind ourselves. That's why we use the word practice. It's a practice. We have to do the work, right? Which is unfortunate, but our culture is quite problematic. And so we can't just do autopilot. You know, we have to, we're always trying to be better and step outside of that. So. Oh, the work never ends. You know what I mean? All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We want to hear from you. Questions, topics, whatever it is, let us know. We'll cover it. And then uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. There they all. There they all are. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff. And uh, check out some of the other shows while you're there. So we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey.
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: All right, we're back. Now it's time to glide into those DMs.
0: Gliding into the DMs.
2: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I came into some money troubles. Wow and unfortunately I had to move back home with my parents. We have never really gotten along. I moved out when I was 18 and I've been on my own for about 10 years. We just see things differently and we always have. I wanna make our relationship better, especially because I don't know how long I will be here for. Wow, oh, you mean at home, okay, sorry. Do you have any tips or advice you can give about having that tough conversation with them? I don't even know where to start. Um, well, first off, uh, I don't know what this tough conversation is that you want to have with them, but I'll start, I'll I'll start at the beginning of your, uh, the journey of your question. I think it's really great that you have parents that you can go stay with and that are willing to accommodate that. So have some gratitude. Um, I hear people say things like, Oh, well, you know, they have to, they're my parents in reference to a lot of different things. Uh, no one actually has to do anything. And just because someone has birthed another person there by making them a parent, as we've learned and continue to learn, that doesn't mean that they have any special skills or that uh, you are promised something as someone else's child. I work with a lot of individuals, sadly, whose parents won't whose parents won't parent and, and don't caretake and would never let them move back in. And so have some gratitude that your parents are in a position where they have a home that you can be brought into, that there is space for you, that they welcome you. So I would say start there. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what the issue, what the issues are as to why I didn't get along, but I want you to be very thankful that they're willing to bring you home. They don't need to do that. They don't No Parents owe anyone anything. Actually, I wish we did in some ways, emotionally, right? Relationally. But um, so start there for first off. And then number two, also recognize that sometimes we have a very outdated idea of who someone is and we haven't updated our understanding of who someone is based on maybe who they've evolved into. Maybe your parents haven't changed, maybe they have. And maybe they need to do that for you as well. Maybe they're still seeing you as that 18 year old that you used to be. We often do that with people we've had a long-term relationship with. We hold them accountable to these historical ways of being and behaviors. So I think both sets, you and your parents need to really try to hold space, right? We call it negative capability in psychology. Hold this space of let me see who you are now because you're an adult and they're older as well and you're forming a new relationship with them. So be gracious, you know, be kind, um let let yourself see what maybe emerges maybe whatever you're expecting to happen that will be uncomfortable or negative might not right they might honor you now as an adult so present as one and if something comes up again through the gratitude of knowing that they don't need to let you live there lovingly talk to them about what's going on you know start to renew and build a new relationship with them Um, that's kind of what i wanted to have happen with people in covid that were maybe. Living with new individuals, former individuals, going back home is, we can kind of clean up some of that family of origin work, right? Instead of consistently taking it forward or even transmitting it intergenerationally to like our children and and pushing it forward, right? Because all of our parents are doing the best that they can do based on what their parents transmitted to them, and we keep taking it forward, and now's your time to kind of stop some of that. So take some time to think about what are the behaviors that might emerge that are historical, because when we go back to our family of origin, often we replay, we reenact old family dynamics. Don't do that. Don't fall back into those old dynamics. Keep challenging yourself to present as a new, evolved, healthier adult. So really remind, ask yourself, what were the old school behaviors that you used to step into, and make sure you don't. Because in you stepping back in yours, you pull them back into theirs. You know, I don't know if they're doing the work or, or if they're even conscious of all this, but you are because of your question. And so be very thoughtful about how you're presenting and how you're relating to them and make sure you're staying in the current It's fascinating how family of origin stuff, when we return to the home or to, you know, former family members, we revert backwards. But that gives us a chance to acknowledge that those behaviors are still accessible to us, right? So cut those off, short circuit those, right? And step into new behaviors. But also, again, that gratitude. A lot of people wish they had a safe family home to return to. You know, not everyone ever had that or has access to that now. Um, I'm glad you have that though, you know, rough time, rough time for a lot of us. And that will kind of help you get your finances back under control. So good luck with that though. Um, all right, y'all, that is our show. Past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they are. And if you got any DMs for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, we got answers. Or if there's a topic you want covered or something you want me to drop into deeper, put it in there as well. And we'll be back tomorrow talking about disability pride and uh, the sexual secrets of long-term happy couples. Yep, a lot to learn there. Y'all, thanks for hanging out